morning, if you will uh, notice, if you have a large King James print Bible, if you have a large King James print Bible, would you wave at me? If you have a large or a medium-large King James print Bible. Anybody? Alton, do you have one in your hand? No? <laughs> uh, I left my Bible. I put all that stuff that we loaded in the car. It was buried and all that stuff. And so I'll, I'll just uh, depend upon Austin. Isaiah 6 and 1, probably 1 through 6 or 1 through 8. I'm very excited about the word that, that I have today. And as I was pondering, and I've shared this word all over the nation, uh, different parts of the world. I believe it's a very timely word. I believe it's a very fitting word. I believe you should go to church and learn something. I believe that you should leave changed. I believe we go from level to level. You should come in one way and go out another. And if you go out empowered with the word of God, God's plan for your life, it will be a great week, not without storms, not without challenges. Uh, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed out begging for bread, but there are storms and there are challenges that we encounter. Uh, serving God does not make you immune from all the challenges of life. They're there. A couple things that I will ask Noah when I see him. Why in the world did he let two mosquitoes get on the ark? Can anybody relate? And chiggers and spiders and pimples and just and so, so questions that you have. But being a Christian does not make you immune. It makes you equipped. It makes you equipped. And when you know that you're under attack and you know you're at the right place doing the right thing and know there's going to be uh, opposition, uh, God will never bring you somewhere that he doesn't think that you can complete, finish, and go on to another level. I think Bailey mentioned youth camp is a, another level. You go into a, a different dimension, and there's glory, calling glory, calling glory, and glory looks for glory. And so every day, hopefully, we get stronger, we get healthier. Uh, there are many that don't have the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, privilege, I guess, or honor or opportunity uh, many aren't able to peruse their Bible every day. Many aren't able to listen to a DVD or listen to a, a, a CD every day. Many, uh, their, their life is so packed and so busy and so overwhelming, it's hard sometimes for them just to do a five- or ten-minute devotion. That's why Wednesday night and Sunday morning is so important. It's important that you come together corporately and worship. It's important that you come together corporately to hear the Word of God and it's even more important that you leave the house of God ready to apply what you learned, ready to put into practice what you've heard. And that's what it is. It's practice. We practice on one another. The church practices on one another. Jesus said, you will know they're my disciples by their love for one another, for community, for doing things around the community, whether it's a, whether it's a food bank or whether it's a helping somebody unpack or whether it's helping somebody keep their children during the week, whatever that might be. Those are things that God brings in our life that we can do, that we can complete, and we can feel accomplished. I think a lot of times we set such big goals that, that it's, it's tough to reach them in a week or a month or a year, and we get discouraged and we get frustrated. But I have learned if you will place little goals in your life, just small goals in your life, like get out of bed. I mean, what a great goal that would be to get, get out of bed. I know I'm being silly. But some of you would say, sometimes I just need a little nudge getting anybody, especially once you turn 64 and your feet get ready to hit the floor and the rest of your body, the equilibrium's not all there and you stagger like a drunk man 
all the way down. I know none of you do that. I know I, I noticed I was walking the other day, and I'm thinking, Pastor Todd, if somebody's behind me, they're going to think I'm a drunk because I'm, like, moving and weaving. And uh, Pastor Todd and I were unloading stuff from the, um, from the, the house this week, and uh, Pastor Todd made me walk backwards, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to crash and burn. And he's pushing me as fast as he can because he's got stuff to do and he wants to get done. And, I, and I'm thinking, oh, what a drag it is getting old. Not really. It's not really a drag. It's just there. It's just something that happens. So while y'all are still young, it's time to get involved, get some energy, get some direction, get some motivation, and accomplish something for the glory of God. And, and I just want to look at a couple of things this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, Look up, look in, and look out. Look up, look in, and look out. Three points, three truths, three revelations I want to share with you this morning. Isaiah is one of the five major prophets, uh, wrote the book of Isaiah, several chapters. Uh, He's the one that said a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son. His name we called Emmanuel. He's the one that prophesied that he would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He's the one that spoke prophetically that by his stripes we are healed. That's a present perfect tense. It means that everything coming up in your life, God has ordered, provided healing and salvation for that. I'm reminded in the days of Christ, the Romans had a law that a man could be whipped 40 stripes. And uh, that was the law. But the Romans, in their, sometimes in their drunkenness and some of their uh, over-involvement in beating somebody, sometimes they applied more than 40 stripes and the, the beating killed them. And so the Romans came back with another law and said 40 save one. So when they counted, they just did 39. The law said 40. They just did 39 to make sure they didn't go overboard because if they violated that law, they were tied to the whipping post and they were beaten. Does that make sense? So instead of going for 40, maybe missing one or two, let's go for 49, save one, 39 stripes. How crazy, 4,000 years ago when Isaiah prophesied that, how crazy that today in society there would be 39 major diseases that attacks the body and Jesus took 39 stripes upon his back that we could walk in healing. How incredible is that that we find that? Isaiah wrote so many beautiful stories, so many beautiful uh, prophecies, and begin to talk about the last days and the second coming of Christ. And my second favorite scripture in the whole Bible, would anybody like to guess what's my first favorite scripture? You're close. That's the second. The first is John 3.16, my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. And the second is Isaiah 40 and 31. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah penned those words. Towards the middle of his life, Isaiah was captured. He was arrested. He was captured. And they took a saw and they cut him in half. And that's how, that's how he ended. A murderer murdered for his prophecies, never saw a single prophecy come to pass, spoke things that would happen two, 4,000 years after his death. But what an incredible person to go through everything he went through, to pay the price, to bring us the words that 
he was wounded for our transgressions. In Isaiah 6 and 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And the voice of one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. What a powerful passage in the Word of God. What a powerful, one of the most incredible overlooked passages in Scripture. The Bible says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also. Notice that word there, which kind of alludes to the fact that Isaiah had got his eyes off the Lord, had got his eyes off the purpose and the plan of the Lord, had got his eyes off the direction and purpose of his ministry. Hezekiah, uh, Uzziah was Isaiah's uncle. Uzziah was an incredible king that captured most of the known land for Israel. He is the one that helped rebuild the temple of God. And uh, he was a very powerful, a very strong, a very healthy king. And he was uh, Isaiah's uncle. And can you imagine having somebody like Donald Trump as your uncle? I mean, would you milk that? <laughs> would, you, would you? Sure you would. Uh, I started to say, what if Hillary Clinton was your uncle? But that's not quite possible. But he, that was his uncle and he enjoyed the prestige of being the nephew of the king of the world, yada, 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 and got involved in all that was going on. And he got his eyes off God. You know, it's easy sometimes to be so busy doing the things of life that we get our eyes off of God. I've been told even as recent as this week by someone that said, once you get out of the, whatever you want to call it, flow, or once you get out of the pattern or the consistency of going to church every Sunday, it's tough to get plugged back in because life is so busy and life is so cumbersome and there's so many things going on. A lot of people on Sunday would just like to melt, just like to not go anywhere, stay in their pajamas, accomplish absolutely nothing, lay around and eat pretzels and uh, sour ranch chips. Do I have a friend in the house that can relate to who wants to get up? Who wants to put their makeup on? Who wants, to go to, who wants to go anywhere on Sunday morning? Let's just stay home and chill. It's easy sometimes to just get unfocused from your purpose and from your priorities and to get focused on something else. Uh, I called somebody this week, and you all know who he is, and I won't tell you his name, but he's the administrator for Perry Stone. And I said, you know, the difference between a workaholic and an alcoholic is a spelling. If you're not careful, you'll allow your job to consume you and you'll allow your job to keep you away from pursuing the things of God. I've noticed not just jobs, but sometimes our, our, the sports in our life. I know that there are pastors in Florida that are very agitated, very upset because the soccer leagues of Florida have their games on Sunday afternoon. And it frustrates the pastors because they want their people in church, but, but, but the p parents are taking the kids to play soccer and I don't, there's several reasons why they do that. Some parents never did well in sports. So they live their life through their kids. Hello. Can anybody relate? But it's easy sometimes to get distracted by a job or by a hobby. I know that uh, there are many in life that many wives that can relate to the term uh, weekend widow. 
Does that term mean anything to anybody, weekend widow? It's when deer season comes in the last of September and closes the first week of January. They don't see their husband all weekend long. He's in the woods. He's doing whatever you do in the woods for four or five hours at a time. And, uh, and, they, and they, they miss their husband. They miss his presence there in the house. It's easy to let hunting or fishing or a hobby or sports or motorcycle racing or dirt biking or, or dune buggy. If you're not careful, you'll take the very day that God anointed holy to bless you and minister you and take you to another level. You'll take that day and just sleep in. There are many people... Let me rephrase that. There are people that I know in life that when they go to church, they're going to do the right thing. And a lot of times they don't come to church is the fact because they feel obligated or they feel under pressure to tithe. So they say, well, if I don't go to church, I don't have to tithe. And they justify that and they, they reason all that out, not realizing that tithing is the greatest opportunity a person could ever have in life to be successful. When you plant into the things of God, he plants into the things that you're involved in, the things you're interested in. I've shared this before. I'll share it again. Even nature declares the glory of God. If you'll look on a starry night, it's very easy to spot the Big Dipper. You see a Big Dipper in the star constellation, and it's very easy to spot the Little Dipper. And if you'll notice the Little Dipper, the, 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 the top of the Dipper is pointed towards heaven, the, the, the top of the Big Dipper is upside down like it's pointed towards earth. So the stars tell us that we take and we try to give to God, and the stars show that God takes and gives back to us. But his dipper, I used to say, his shovel is bigger than our shovel. Aren't you glad this morning that you can't beat God given no matter how much you try? And if you've been serving the Lord a long time and faithful in the things of God, it's scary sometimes how God provides finances. It's scary sometimes how God provides blessings. It's scary sometimes how it looks like, I mean, you're going to lose something or something's not going to happen or something's not going to take place. But in the nick of time, whatever that means, in the nick of time, all of a sudden there's a check in the mail. There's a bonus at the job. There's a love offering from a relative or a loved one. And you look back and you say, Wow, only God. And God is faithful to watch over his word. He's faithful to watch over. And people say, well, tithing is not in the New Testament. No, uh, Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render unto God the things that are God's, which supported the Old Testament truth of tithing. But what's even better than that, Paul said on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, bring your first fruits into the storehouse. And when you walk in that favor and you walk in that obedience, you're going to walk in the blessings and the provisions that follow. I've been doing this a long time. I remember 10 or 11 years of age, you've heard the story. Uh, Mom had me iron all of my dad's handkerchiefs. And for some reason, she ironed the pillowcases. I don't know why, but that was something that I did on Saturday night while I was watching Bewitched. How many remember Bewitched? I'm watching Bewitched. I'm ironing. And when I got done, Jules, I didn't wait till Monday for a pay. I wanted to be paid that night what I had done. And I, I can remember, Devin, year, I mean, I can just remember week after week after week, I would go to church with 11 cents tithe and 5 cents offering. And I know that sounds crazy. And I probably drove that poor clerk, whoever counts the offering. Pastor Todd, I imagine that was frustrating every week to get an envelope and to record that 11 cents and 5 cents, but they did, and God honored that, and God, God taught me 
God taught me at a very young age, you can't beat God given. And even when Pastor Rhonda and I, when, when she was going on and I was completely messed up, completely doing the wrong thing, I encouraged her every Sunday to tithe on our income. Do you remember that? So even when I was a godless heathen, I realized that God even honors the heathen when they operate in obedience. Aren't you, aren't you glad for that? And so God is faithful and God is consistent. Isaiah just kind of got disfocused, if there's such a word, or unfocused. I guess that would be a little bit better. And he began to go through some stuff. He lost his uncle. Some things begin to take place. And Daniel, it says, there came a moment in Isaiah's life when he looked up and saw God. He saw God seated on a throne, high and lifted up. This train filled the temple. I remember uh, younger in life, I remember there were some uh, what we call A.A. Allen choruses, and they were choruses that were sang at tent revivals and tent meetings when he would set up a tent, and they would uh, sing a couple of songs before he would teach and, and pray for the sick. And I remember Pastor Rhonda, we probably grew up on this song together that simply says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Help me. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that happened to Isaiah. And he looked up and he saw God upon the throne and he saw the angels ministering. He saw the glory fill the house. He saw the, he saw the posts of the door moved. And I wrote down this morning that praise and worship will do three things. Are you ready? Praise will bring God's presence. Worship will bring God's glory. And praise and worship together will open doors. As Isaiah caught a glimpse into heaven and he saw the seraphims. Their seraphim was a special type of angel. It was not a cherubim. It wasn't a diadem. It was a special angel that occupied the presence of God. And we know that these seraphims, we know there are at least three, these seraphims had six wings, and they were in constant motion. They were constantly flying. They covered their face with two of their wings. They covered their feet with two of their wings, and they hovered in the presence of God. And the reason they covered their face and their feet, because they would not do anything to take away from the beauty of God on the throne. They did not want to be a distraction. They didn't want to be a hindrance, but they were there, and they were declaring one to another, holy, 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 and the earth is full of his glory. The earth is full of his glory was a prophetic statement made in praise. There are things that you can declare in praise prophetically that God will bring it to pass. For example, if you say, Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that you're providing me a job. It's going to be a good job. There's going to be benefits. I'm going to be able to go to church, spend time with my family. I praise you, Lord, that you're doing that. That's a prophetic praise. That's speaking things that are not as they are, and so shall they be. And what a powerful truth that when the angels begin to declare to each other, holy, holy, holy. The Bible says the earth is full of his glory. That was a prophetic word that says if we will do what we are called to do and we will praise and worship him because praise is our destiny. Praise is our, is, is our, that's what God created us to do. The one thing that God created us to do is to be, to be a praiser and a worshiper and to minister that praise and worship unto him. Do I have a friend? Yes. 
in the house that can relate. There are things that we praise or things that I remember early in, in dating Pastor Rhonda. I think I made the statement that I worship the ground she walks on. Have you ever heard that? Ever heard that before? I worship the ground she walks on. And I don't know that I actually worship the ground, hello, but but there was but there was a there was obviously there was a love there. There was a romance there. There was an interest there. I enjoyed being with her. I think yesterday, and yesterday was kind of a calm day, I think yesterday we spoke on the phone seven times. Uh, that's, just, that's just something that takes place during the day. I like to hear her voice. She likes to hear my voice. We never say goodbye. We just hang up on each other. We never say goodbye. None of my kids say goodbye. They just hang up, and that way I realized they were done. So yesterday, for spite, I hung up on my brother just because I could. <laughs> I paid him back for the wrongs that had been done me. But there's something about when you worship the very ground that God walks on, it changes you from being a warrior, hello, and turns you into being a worshiper. And when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he saw the power of praise and worship. In John 14 and 12, very, very, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. I know you've heard that, you've quoted that, you spoke that, but did you ever think about the, 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 the awesomeness of that promise, the awesomeness of that scripture? It says, the works that I do shall you do also, and we're, to, we're called to heal the sick, raise the dead, pray for the blind, take authority over demonic presence. We're, we're, we're commanded and authorized to do that. And Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll do these works. And then he says, greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. But if you look in the King James, and that's the King James Version, you'll, know, you'll notice the word works the second time is in italics. That means that the translators of the gospel made the sentence grammatically correct, but in the original from the mouth of God, he did not say greater works than these shall you do. Because let me ask you a question. What could be greater than walking on the water? What could be greater than commanding a storm to shut down? What could be greater than raising the dead son? What could be greater than touching a woman that was dying of, of cancer? And seeing her restored simply because she touched the helm of your... What could be greater? What could possibly be greater than that? As you look at that, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do. And you say, well, what's greater than, what's greater than a miracle? What's greater than opening blind eyes? What's, pray, what's greater than praying for a marriage that's broken and seeing it restored? What's greater than praying for someone that's dying of cancer and seeing them healed and seeing them completely restored and years added to life? What's greater than that? The clue there is where he said, greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. At Calvary, one of the last statements that came from the mouth of Jesus was, it is finished. And when he said, it is finished, something happened, not just at the cross, but at the temple. There was an earthquake. And let me tell you what was affected in that earthquake. The tabernacle of Moses was affected in that, in that, in that earthquake. The tabernacle held the, the, the altar. It held the lava. It held the, the uh, altar of incense. It held the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant. And for the priest to go beyond the veil and to touch the Ark of the Covenant once a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, 
Once a year, the priest would bathe. He would take the blood of bulls and goats. He would sprinkle them on that veil. And then he would go beyond the veil and he would step into the glory presence of God. He would see the Shekinah glory, the angels on the Ark of the Covenant. Once a year, one man, once a year, one man entered into the Holy of Holies. Everybody else stood outside and just pondered what it would be like to be in the presence of God. When they saw Moses come down from the mountain, he'd been in God's glory. The Bible says he shone. He had a, he had a, he had a glorious countenance that, that you could actually see the change in his life because he had been in God's presence. One man, once a year, everybody else stood outside and pondered, wondered, speculated. What's it like to, to be face-to-face with God? But now do you know what I can do at any time of the day, any day of the week, any week of the year? I can go beyond the veil, and I can step into his presence. I can hear his voice. I can feel his love. I can sense his power. I can bask in his glory. Why? Because when Jesus said, it is finished, there was an earthquake, and the veil that separated God from man was rent into two. What's greater than works? Worship. What's greater than power? Praise. What's greater than healing sick or raising the dead? Being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, and watching God perform things through your life. Do I have a friend in the house? Three friends. Three friends. Awesome. In his pit, wherever he was, depressed, discouraged, wherever he was, Isaiah had a moment with God, and he looked up. And I believe that's where you and I are today. I shared with somebody a little earlier this morning, I said, the devil is at work. And in this particular scenario, the devil is winning. This is exactly what the devil wants you to see. This is exactly what the devil wants you to experience. And when I say the devil, I'm talking about principality. Obviously, we we believe there's only one devil. He can't be everywhere all at once. He's probably somewhere over Iran and Iraq. That's Persia. That's where his throne, his, his, uh, he has a heavenly throne in that area. That's probably where he's at. But the principalities and powers will try their best to discourage you, to steal your joy, to, 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 take away, to take away everything that you have and everything that you've occurred. That's his plan. But that's not God's plan. It's God's plan that you get your eyes off your circumstances and you make a mental, verbal, spiritual decision to pursue God. I'm going to find God. I'm going to locate God. Wherever God's at, that's where I'm going. If he says, go here, I'm going to go here. If he says, do this, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my relationship with God and steal my presence with God. And that's what had happened to Isaiah. He got discouraged. But when he looked up, there was a change. Something happened in his life. And aren't you glad that when we leave a worship service, we're different? When we leave a worship service, we're, cha- we're changed. When you really touch the things of God and you touch the heart of God, and, and, and we love the band. We love what the band does. But if there was no band, if someone just stood up there and sang a cappella and we sang with her or him, God's presence would come. God dwells. God takes up residence. He doesn't want to visit. He wants to move in. He wants to move into your container. He will honor somebody that honors him. He will love somebody that loves him. He'll sacrifice if there's such a thing that God sacrifices his son. But God will do whatever it takes to meet your need and to bless you if you're walking where you're supposed to be walking. He looked up. 
The next verse there, do we have it, Austin? Since I don't have a Bible. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. Let me just say this. Praise will bring God's glory. And praise, are you ready? Will open doors. Doors that are closed to you. Doors that are locked to you. Doors that you really feel like God wants you to step through. You ever been there? You ever, you ever felt like just felt in your heart of hearts that God really wanted you and your spouse to have a house? A spouse to have a house without a mouse. Um, you, ever, you ever feel that way? That you really wanted to have a house and it seemed like everything you did, it backfired. Can anybody relate? Front row, hello. Anybody in the front row relate to what Pastor Hank is saying? And all of a sudden, there's a snag here, there's a snag there. Pastor, uh, Pastor Todd and Misty got a, got a great blessing, got favor from the bank and all of that. And then a couple of weeks later, the enemy tried to steal their joy. And the enemy tried to steal their blessing. And the enemy started to, tried to steal their provision, told them, you can't get this house, this level. You've got to come down to this level. And we didn't speak it. We didn't declare it. We didn't share it. We didn't, we didn't ask you to pray because it was already done. God brought the increase. God brought the blessing. And the enemy was trying to steal the increase. The enemy was trying to steal the blessing. And if you'll listen to the devil, you'll settle for less. Let me say, if you listen to the devil, you won't get all that God has for you. It might be good, but it won't be great. God, has, God is not just good. God is great and has great things for his people that will just simply be obedient Follow, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, the voice of another. They will not follow. They won't follow a bank president. They won't fo follow a, lo a loan officer. They won't follow any employer. We follow the voice and the mindset of God. And as we pursue that, God makes the crooked places straight. God, as Pastor Rhonda mentioned, he levels the mountains and casts them into the sea. And everywhere we put our foot, we claim and we retake for the glory of God. My Lord, I'm preaching good this morning. And it's one minute after 12, so I'm going to wind this up. I'll, I'll give you the next two parts next week. Would that be okay? That'd be good. We'll do that. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. I'm asking for a call to order. I'm asking for a commitment, a decision to be made. I'm asking you to step into the shoes that God has for you and declare, I am a worshiper. I'm a praiser. I will not let God, the enemy, steal my joy. I won't let him steal my pro promotion. I won't let him steal my provision. If I've received a word from the Lord, regardless of how long ago or regardless of how much uh, opposition and persecution to come against that word, I'm not going to back down. I'm not, I'm not going to be thwarted. I might be discouraged. I might be a little depressed, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to continue to press in the direction I last saw God. There might be a storm. It might be cloudy. It might be thunder. But I know where I last saw him. And as that eagle burst through that, those storm clouds, the sun is right where he left it. I'm going to continue to pursue God where I last saw him. I'm not going to be deterred by the enemy or the voice or the, t the antics or the tactics of the enemy. I'm not going to be frustrated, but I'm going to see what God has for me. And I know the promises of God are yea and amen for me. I, I declare today, Pastor, I make, a, I make a pledge. I answer this call. I am going to pursue God in praise and worship. 
and I'm not going to back off until I see all that God has for me. If you'll do that this morning, just lift your hand. All that's between you and the Lord. I declare that I'm a praiser, I'm a worshiper, and I will declare the good things of the Lord, and I will see the good things happen, and we will be like them that rejoice. Things are going to return to me. Things are going to come to me. Things are going to flow out of me. I'm going to be a river. I'm not going to hoard or hide, but I'm going to declare the glory of God. I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to pray and worship. I'm going to see changes in people's life. I'm going to lay hands on people that are dying, and they're going to get well. I'm going to lay hands on people that are bound, and they're going to get set free. I'm going to lay hands on people that are sick, and they're going to be healed. I'm going to lay hands on people that are discouraged, and they're going to be blessed. I, like Isaiah, I'm going to look up, and I am going to see God in all of his fullness, in all of his greatness, and I am going to be a worshiper for his for his good, and for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What a declaration. What a, what a, what a, what, just, just realize what you have, what you have said today. And, and again, let me reiterate what I'm trying to reiterate every week. Watch, watch for God's favor, watch for God's blessings, and just take a moment and thank him. Um, I had to stop at the gas station and uh, get some gas, and I pulled in to get something to drink. And I, when I got to my car, there was no one behind me. The, the, everything was clear. I put the car in reverse. I went to back up, and something, don't you love it when something happens? Something said, check your mirror. And there was a little red car that was not paying attention, and all that he was getting it, or, she, or he, he was getting it. Had I continued to back up, I'd have slammed that car. And every day, God does things like that. Every day, God's watching over you. Every day, God's making sure the enemy's not bringing a disease to your house or frustration or depression or poverty. So when you leave this house today, begin to look for little areas in life that you can thank him for. Watch for miracles. Watch for blessing. Watch for favor. And I promise you, it could be a lot worse. You realize that? God, know what, God knows what you're made of, and he's determined. He's determined you can handle this in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, you're more than you think you are. There's more to you than you know. God sees it as the potter. He's forming it. So just submit and be it in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. I'm going to give you a chance to sow into the kingdom. I counted from my bathroom window this morning 18 different perennials 